Aloha, thank you for pressing play. Welcome to the Eating Curve Balls for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Mahoy, and your biggest fan when it comes to hitting those curveballs that life, sports, or parenting can throw you right out of the park. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Just a super quick insight if you have possibly a player who seems to like to take pitches right where you're like I wish they would swing maybe a child of yours or a player I wish they would just swing at the first good pitch that comes their way instead of just waiting and waiting and waiting and being quote-unquote too patient so as someone who was one of those kids who liked to take a lot of pitches um, just to look back at it now I really kind of like to just study it right I wanted to see as often as possible what does it look like coming out of the pitcher's hand and what does it look like as it's coming toward me and then how did that translate to the catcher's glove so I would watch it from the pitcher's hand all the way in to the catcher's glove now granted while it's crossing your eye path you don't exactly maybe track it perfectly but I see a lot of players nowadays that will only look out toward the pitcher and then if they're taking they just kind of back off the pitch they don't see it all the way to the end and I it's it's I don't know if that's just a Hawaii thing but it's very rare um to see a pit a player when they take pitches to actually look it all the way into the catcher's glove which I think is really strange because for me as an athlete that was like gathering information right I could then connect what did it look like as it was coming toward me and where did it end up on the other side to where the umpire is now calling his strike or his ball right so that was all like just studying different looks and getting to uh, gaining a deeper understanding of pitches and selecting pitches and I think it probably drove my parents and my coaches nuts a little bit because I would I like to take I like to watch and learn and um, they probably wanted me to hit more often but that was part of why I did it was because I was just fascinated to be able to see it and I guess like we didn't really have a lot of that in practice not a lot of live pitching practice where we got to see pitches coming off of different pitchers right we got to see it off our coach maybe um, off a machine you know off a soft toss but we really didn't have a lot of chances or maybe not as much as would satisfy me (laughs) to see the ball coming in from actual pitchers because they all have slightly different styles right different looks the taller shorter lankier longer different wind-ups and everything so it's always fascinating to just observe and I tend to be that kind of person who likes to sit and watch and and make observations and notice things that maybe not everybody would notice. So if you happen to have a child that could possibly be like that, it's possible that this is what's going on. And so them watching pitches is not just about like they're afraid to swing or they're not aggressive enough or they're they don't have the right mentality about um taking advantage of certain pitches. Sometimes there's a whole nother thing going on that you don't even realize is this learning process for them. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't still or you can't still encourage them to develop, you know, a better approach as far as like being smart about when to do your observations and when to actually apply a solid strategy for your at bat and pitch selection and, you know, for the game and the situation and all that. 
So the reason I thought of this was because I recently watched, um, I've been talking about how my daughter went up to nationals in Texas for wrestling and she just started learning freestyle, how to wrestle freestyle in March. So March, yes, basically about eight weeks that she had between the when she first got introduced to freestyle to when the competition was. So there was a, there's is a learning curve. Like it was literally like watching her trying to learn how to wrestle all over again. Like even though she knew a lot more in folk style than she, when she started, the whole freestyle thing, because the scoring is different, because the rules are different, it was like learning a brand new sport. It was like she just had no clue when she was in trouble, when she was in a bad position, like things that normally are a good place to be in folk style, not so much in freestyle. So there was a lot to learn. Um, and the first time she ever wrestled in a match, she was literally like, I'm not even sure why the score is, you know, like what was going on and when the scoring happened. And it was it's the, it was like massive learning curve. Right. So it was interesting to watch her progress and we could see the progress. Like we could see that she's getting better. She's getting more familiar. She's starting to, be able to do more things. You can see her trying different things. You can see her defending a little bit better. But she was still, you know, allowing takedowns, allowing herself to get turned and scored on. And so we're like, man, she gets up there, you know, I felt like the other kids were going to be able to score on her a lot easier than what we saw. And no one was able to execute certain kinds of score. Like, no one was able to execute a leg lace on her and, and, and just turn her like they do in practice. No one was able to gut her and turn her like they do in practice. So it was really interesting to see that. And then we came back and she would practice. And there are girls that we know are not even that strong um, or not you know don't have that same kind of strength that she was facing there that were scoring on her in these ways in practice so then I started that's why I started thinking about this I was like why is she letting them do that so not so much letting them and and some people are afraid of like well if she lets them do it in practice she's gonna let them do it in in competition and how you practice is how you play but I'm thinking now I'm thinking about it and ask her I should ask her but what I'm thinking about is during this learning process as she's trying to get more and more familiar with the sport and how things go, sometimes, number one, you know, giving your, your opponent, not your opponent, but your teammate a chance to actually execute all the way through versus just stopping them all the time, right? So there are certain times when you do resist and you do react, but you're also allowing them to execute all the way through in a somewhat live situation. So sometimes it's that. Other times I think really she's wanting to feel those different positions and feel like what does it actually feel like when I lose my leverage or when I lose position and my t and my opponent is about to do this to me? What does it actually feel like when I'm in that? And sometimes you have to experience what it's like to be in certain positions so that when it happens in competition you're not freaked out because it's unfamiliar right so I think that's part of her learning process is just getting really comfortable no matter what position she's in so that she doesn't panic when it happens in competition because it's like I've been here before I know what this is like I've been here a million times happens all the time in practice and I know what it feels like I'm familiar with it and I know what to do now it's not like some new experience that kind of just jars her her mind and takes her out of her game right so I mean I, I'm now I'm curious to ask her I'm thinking I'm gonna have to have a conversation um with her about it but I really think like some of it is just wanting to have that 
get a better feel for those different um, spots and different positions and different leverages and everything. And I mean, I think that even in softball, even though it's not a contact sport like that, where you're actually pushing up against someone, that understanding and developing a feel for the game is so underrated so so underrated and Janice Meredith posted um no I'm sorry I think it was Beth who posted an article that Janice wrote and it's on Sports Moms United but it was talking about yelling instructions to your child from the stands and how that gets them into their thinking brain because now they're trying to hear what you said process it take the instructions and figure it out and all this stuff and it gets into into this thinking brain and it causes slower reactions and it slows down their thinking and their their processing of in the game stuff and I think that's huge because I am a big advocate of players being like immersed in the game like in it like so in it that you don't even really hear what's going on on the sidelines and you just have this you can just feel what's going to happen next and it's not just so much that feel but it's because you're so in it that you're noticing little details you're noticing that so and so is out of position you're noticing that the pitchers approach this pitch slightly different than the last one you notice that someone shifted over and now there's an opening here when there wasn't one before and so what does that mean about what the pitch that's going to come in or what does that mean that I can do if I see a certain pitch come in you know and you're noticing all these little things and you're able to almost anticipate action because you're so immersed in the game and you have such a good feel for what's going on that the details are all coming in and kind of just filling in the picture for you but when that gets disrupted like I can't even imagine trying to play with interruption to that because I I just love being in the game, you know, and even as a coach, I'm so in it that I don't, I'm not even like one time people, uh, someone came up to me and was like, do you want me to move all these parents are like right behind you guys when you guys are trying to coach? I'm like, honestly, you can move them if you want. I didn't even know they were there. Like I'm so immersed in what's going on that the people behind me, I literally could not even, I didn't even know they were there, much less could hear what they were talking about or commenting on or whatever. And so um, my husband t- tells me that I have like massive tunnel vision with some things. And I tell you, it serves me well as an athlete, <laughs> right? Or as a coach or as like focusing on goals and stuff like that. Um, but like to really be able to be so immersed and have such a feel for what's going on. That's how it feels to me. Like I, that maybe there's more to it that's going on and happening and there's a scientific explanation. Um, but like that's what it feels like as an athlete. And so when that gets disrupted... And you're not in that. Like, that's when you feel out of a groove, right? You know how you're like, oh, man, I got to get back in my groove. Or, like, you feel like momentum is just, like, totally stopped. And, you you know, how do you get back into it? How do you get back into that groove? And and so um, I don't think it's just parents yelling instructions that can disrupt that. I think coaches, if we're not mindful about what we say, we can disrupt that. I think that this is why, this is what I've been trying to articulate when it comes to wristbands right when this this scientist was talking about the thinking brain and how when you communicate with them in a way that turns on that thinking brain now you're you're throwing them off now they're they're not in it and their reactions are slower their decision making is slower and all it affects their performance and so like to me when you use signals to signal in 
you know, plays or whatever to your team, that's sort of like sign language, right? It's like softball sign language. It's literally just like talking to them, but with your hands. But when your signaling system involves you flashing something, they have to read that. Then they have to go to their wristband and basically it's like using a dictionary, right? Okay, let me look up now what that means, what this word means. Well, it's not usually a word. It's like a a finger or a number or whatever or however you set it up. And then I have to look up what it means and read that and then decode. Like there's so much decoding going on and so much process like steps versus just hearing something right for a verbal communication and just hearing it and okay go and that's just part of your communication or if it's a non-verbal communication that's just like talking but it's just with motions versus words those processes are way more similar than like here's a signal and then you got to take that signal and then look at you know look up in a dictionary basically like a little softball wristband dictionary what the heck is going on and then you've got to read that understand what it says decode you know there's so much decoding going on and I really feel like that disrupts this process I think that gets them into the thinking brain and it disrupts their process and their play and their reactions and their their um ability to just play ball and so I think that's what one of my biggest frustrations is about how I see most wristbands being used now if it's just a reference guide like you already have your signals and everything down and you have that method of nonverbal communication that softball sign language and they just have it as a backup just in case they have a brain fart but they have something there that they can just look at real quick and remind themselves like that's one thing but utilizing it as your communication system is a whole nother thing and or not working on your communication with them, your softball sign language with them enough to where they're fluent in it and they're needing this dictionary to look things up in, right? Where you're relying on that for communication versus actually getting fluent in your team's lingo, in your team's language, in your team's, you know, softball sign language um, and, and really honing that in and getting everybody so comfortable and so fluent in it that it's just like speaking to each other right to the level where it's just like just talking back and forth where it's super simple super easy and it's so relevant to what's going on in the game that it just makes sense to hear that one word right or to see that one flash and it's just part of the game and it's so much more seamless and fluid than using a dictionary so anyway those are my thoughts for the day. Hope you're having a fabulous week as always. And um, yeah, I'll be back at it. uh, Hopefully, what is today? Today's Thursday. Back at it for Happy Aloha Friday tomorrow. Um, It's been (laughs) this travel, this trip, everything and everything that it entailed. And it actually was a fabulous trip. I'm super happy that my daughter was able to go. She's super stoked that she was able to go. So we're still on a little bit of like a travel high and you know tournament and everything and first experience and there's so much that was wrapped into that that it's just kind of thrown off my schedule and it's still like it's like jet lag (laughs) from tournament right so she's she was the only one that traveled I don't have actual jet lag but like just the readjustment back from this like experience that was like outside of our normal now coming back into like the normal everyday routine thing um, I totally underestimated the curveball that this would throw into my normal routine and to you know just 
have her leave and realize like gosh I miss her she's literally not even been gone a whole day she's not even there yet and I'm already missing her which is strange to me because I wasn't expecting it because she's gone to travel um previously she's gone on two other trips without us you know I've like oh she's done this before it's no big deal that's how kind of I was thinking about it did not realize how much I would miss her and like be wishing like I wish we could have gone and all this other stuff like I did I wasn't expecting all of that to come up since it was it's not our first experience in it so there was all of that and then of course we expected well when she goes she travels no matter what happens it's going to be a good experience she's going to face some good competition she's going to get more you know mat time she's going to learn she's going to all these wonderful things that we knew that this tournament would be and it just like completely exceeded all of our expectations as far as like what this experience would actually mean to her and um so i was just, we're i'm still just blown away by the tremendous value of that for her and i definitely want to be able to provide more opportunities like that for her and for other children and so you know that's something that's huge on my heart like how can we all the way from hawaii give our children more of those experiences even though it's quite a, a cost but when i look at the kind of experience she had with her teammates and her coaches and just the whole thing. There was just so much um, awesome stuff in that in that trip. And I definitely feel like it was well worth whatever the cost was. It's, you know, now it's just a matter of like, okay, so how do we get to a spot where we can not really even have to think twice about like, is there an opportunity? Do you want to go? Yes, you want to go? Okay, let's do it, right? Like, I really want to get to that spot. And as you can, can imagine, cost of living in Hawaii, plus big family, plus multiple sports, you know, multiple children, it gets pretty complex. So I'm really going to have to like buckle down and get like, it's always been something we've said, right? Oh yeah, we want to, when our kids go to sports, we want to be able to travel with them. So that's the other thing that I want, not just to be able to send them, but for all of us to be able to go, for all of us to be able to be part of that experience with them and for all the siblings to be able to see that and experience that with them, even if they're just supporting, a, you know, a brother or sister, um, I think it can be huge for everybody. And so that's definitely something that is on my mind and, and something that I really, really want to do more of. And um, even bigger than that, like I would love to not only be able to, you know, do that for us and our family, but to be able to help other families do that too because I know we're not the only ones that are sending our kid and the family's not going because it's like it's just so many logistics so much cost so on and so forth um but to be able to like somehow support more families and being able to have these experiences meaningful experiences together more often um that, that's something I would definitely love to do so yeah, that's what's that's what's been brewing <laughs> in my brain. Have no idea um exactly how all that's going to, you know, play out and work out, but um it's like something that's hard to to ignore. So, it's I guess I'm going to be working on that. Um yeah, so thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. If you're a parent, you're a coach, athlete, whatever you may be, however you fit into our youth sports community, Thank you so much for everything that you give, all your time, all your energy, um, all of your effort. It's always, always valuable. It's never, ever wasted. So thank you for everything that you contribute to our community, to our world. And I appreciate you so much. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.